it, it dawned on me actually the first time I stayed at the pods properly was that there were other families there enjoying like Melvick and enjoying their time in the pods and they wouldn't have been able to have those holidays and create those family memories if we hadn't built our site. Sometimes you get a good planner and projects go through the planning approval process quite well. And even within the same council, you might have a different planner for a different project and there are hurdles that um, come from what feels like nowhere. Before we sign off, if there's one tip in particular that you could give to prospective glamping site owners, what would it be? Um, it's, it's really not sexy, but uh, laundry and cleaning. Hello and welcome to the Glampitech podcast. Today we're joined by Ali Young, co-founder of Glampitech and NC500 Pods. Glampitech's, of course, are the UK's premier glamping site designers, helping with all stages of the glamping setup process, including feasibility studies, planning permission applications and websites and marketing. NC500 Pods is the glamping site company that Ali and his co-founder Callum set up a few years back. They have two sites set up in the north of Scotland and have another three in the pipeline. Having set up his own glamping site and helped our clients through the process as well, Ali is uniquely placed to offer multiple perspectives of the challenges people face when starting glamping businesses. As ever, I hope you enjoy and that you find value in today's episode. Hi Ali, how you doing? Yeah, good thanks Nick, thanks for having me. No worries, no worries. So uh, in episode one, we had um, Callum, we had Callum on who basically told us the story of how he founded well, co-founded NC500 Pods with you. Um, NC500 Pods is your glamping business, which at the minute has two sites, I believe, and is looking at adding more onto the roster. Um, so could you just give us your perspective on how, you know, you entered into the glamping industry through NC500 Pods? Yes, yeah, certainly. Um, it's a bit of a, a contrived story, I suppose. Um, maybe not the same way that most people get into glamping, but uh, started many years ago when uh, a friend invited me to stay with them on holiday at a place called Echmelvik, right in the, in the far north of Scotland. Um, so it's a, a gorgeous place, really, really lovely beach. Um, and, you know, it attracts the same people that go year after year. So um, when I went up, I quickly made friends. And um, since then I've become a bit of a, a serial visitor and uh, even met my wife up there and their family also were serial visitors of the place. So, so really kind of tied to the place now uh, and we go back every year. Um, the, the problem with so many serial visitors is that um, all of the accommodation is it's like hen's teeth. You just, you just can't get anything. It's, um, you know, really a case of dead man's shoes before you can you have a chance of, of looking at somewhere to stay with, with decent facilities. So for, for most of my time going there, I've been kind of limited to, to staying in a tent. Um, and a bit older now, really a tent doesn't cut it. Um, so I'd always said that um, if I ever had the chance to buy some land and build something up there with proper facilities, I would do so. So fast forward to summer of 2018, um, I was probably less than sober in a, in a bar with one of my friends, the one that took me to Melvick, and he mentioned that his cousin Callum, who I've also known for, for a long time from, from Melvick, um, had planning permission for pods up there. Um, and that took me by surprise a little bit, but even through the, the boozy haze, I, I knew that that was my chance to, um, to hopefully sort out some proper accommodation, some proper facilities in, in Melvick. So, so that's how I kind of 
got involved, um, approached Callum and said I'd, I'd like to invest. Um, and uh, I, I thought initially it would be a case of maybe putting in a little bit of my savings and that would be enough to secure a pod for a couple of weeks every year so that I was guaranteed of having somewhere nice to stay. Um, quickly realised after doing some sums and knowing the area and knowing that there's a lot of demand up there that um, this, this was potentially a really, really good investment. And uh, after that, I invested a lot more money and even remortgaged the flat to, to finance the project. So, so that's it. After that, Callum and I were kind of, um, you know, partners in crime. And, um, you know, we've uh, worked really well together, splitting up the tasks to, to project manage everything and get, get the, the glamping site open for roughly when we wanted it to be open. And other than pesky things like COVID, um, it's been a pretty good success since. And yeah, I guess we'll touch a bit more on this later, but that's that's kind of the, the basis for how Glampitech started as well, was us working well together and, and learning a lot about glamping. And so is that a strategy that you look for moving forward with NC500 in terms of looking for remote locations where there aren't many options yeah. available for accommodation? Yeah, I mean, uh, glamping's great for that, so it, it works really well. Um, and perhaps the, the, the far north of Scotland's a little bit unique in that there's really not much development and uh, glamping's pretty, you know, fairly quick and easy to set up and um, you don't need an awful lot of land. And yeah, you can get some really nice high quality facilities um, quite quickly up there. And it's uh, it, it, there's some beautiful, beautiful scenery. So it definitely attracts tourists and the, the creation of the North Coast 500 in the last the last few years has really seen numbers of tourists rise. So we want, we want to, to make the most of that, um, you know, for, for our own for our own business, but for also for offering tourists somewhere to go so that they can enjoy these places. Mm -hmm. And were there any particularly difficult challenges that you found when you were setting up your first site in particular? Um, yeah, probably the biggest was just that we didn't know what we didn't know. Um, and that turned out to be quite a lot. So, you know, it, it looked fairly, fairly easy from the outset. There was a, a big grassy field, let's stick some pods on it. But the, there's, there's so much more complexity to that in, in terms of you know, technical considerations, in terms of planning policy. Um, and one of the things that really caught us out and added quite a significant cost to the project was the gradient of the of the land, which, from from our um, you know basic knowledge back then, didn't didn't seem scary at all. But we ended up having to put in quite a sizable retaining wall to build the project the, the way we wanted it, and I think it ended up costing something like fourteen thousand pounds that we hadn't budgeted for. So. Um, I guess the the lesson from that is to be more diligent and you know speak to people who do know what they're what they're looking at with these things, uh, and you know the, the the knowledge we learned from from that things like the gradient and also how we handled um, various other problems that the Highlands threw at us, like not having very good um, phone lines so that we couldn't get the broadband we wanted, so we ended up going for satellite broadband to you know just the logistics of getting things there um you know it, we learned a lot and um if, if we'd known some of these things at the start we'd have probably handled it differently we'd have probably budgeted more time more money um and to an extent we were flying by the seat of our pants to coin a phrase but um you know now that we've been through all that we know the pitfalls to some extent so that we can hopefully help other people through glamp to 
to not make those mistakes. Yeah, is there anything that you did or that you learned from setting up the first sighting at Melvick? I think I said that right. Um, <laughs> that, you, <laughs> that you applied to the second site in Brora and that you'll apply to future sites that you're looking to set up as well. Um, yeah, the, the, the satellite broadband was definitely one that's been a really good success. We were quite worried about that. Um, you know, the, the, the BT were, were not great to work with for the first site um, and the infrastructure there wasn't great. So we took a bit of a gamble on that and, uh, you know, we'd, we'd been months dealing with BT to try and get something. And then we phoned this, this other company that did the satellite broadband and it was installed in a week and it's been great. You know, you can stream Netflix and, and things like that, no problem in the pods. And so we, you know, we didn't even try with BT for the second site. We just went straight to the Wi-Fi again because it was so quick and easy to set up and it's been no problem at all. So, um, yeah, other things um, we've, even from the second site, we've actually been learn, learn, learning things. We, we had a view on the East Coast this time, um, looking down towards the sea. Um, so we've angled our pods that way. And then we found since then that it's people, people prefer them to be facing the other way so that they can see the sun when it's setting. Um, so we found that people have been moving chairs from the pods to sit at the back of the pods so they get the sun when it's coming in in, in the evening, um, something we hadn't considered. So for, for our next site, we'll probably mix it up a bit and um, do a bit of both or, you know, depending on, on what it looks like, we might even have them all facing that way. So yeah, always learning. There's always, always um, things you can apply from, from, from what you're learning. Um, and yeah, I think our second site is a better glamping site in its own right than the one we did first time in Achmelvik. Um, and the location's probably not quite as desirable. It's not so close to a nice beach, um, but there's still, still lots going on there, lots going for it. But the, the site itself, I think, is better. Um, we had a bit more space. We could do some, some nicer things, like it has a sauna. Uh, and um, we have more than one style of pod. So, um, all things that we wanted to do on the on the economic site, we just didn't have the space. You mentioned the sauna there. How have you found that in terms of the effect it's had on maybe the interest the site's generated and maybe the nightly rate you can charge and also maintenance? Because I know I don't know much about saunas, but I know hot tubs are um, they require a lot of maintenance. A sauna is a little bit easier to handle. Yeah, absolutely easier. That that was the reason we went for the sauna over over hot tubs. Um, the the daily maintenance that you have to do with your, your typical jacuzzi style hot tub was too much for us. Uh, we, we operate the site remotely. We have, we have somebody close by that manages the day-to-day -day cleaning and changeovers and you know, maintenance of the site. But really it's too much to, to, to expect somebody who's not full-time you know, living, working on the site to, to do that. Um, and um, the sauna, on the other hand, is pretty much self-sufficient. It'll be cleaned on a regular basis, but it doesn't need anything like the testing that um, that hot tubs do. Uh, are they as enticing for for guests as hot tubs? Possibly not, but we we did have, due to COVID, um, an indication of how much our, our sauna was drawing people in. That the sauna was unfortunately delayed because of the world being in kind of um, disaster mode at the time. So we had some guests feedback to us that they were disappointed that it wasn't there. So there was nothing we could do about that. But, you know, that was obviously one of the things they were really looking forward to, 
to using when they, they came to visit. So it's absolutely a draw and um, we're really glad to have it. I wish we could have one at Melvick uh, as well. And I'm right in thinking that there are a fair few weather-related challenges being on the North Coast. Yeah, there are. Um, one of the locals said to me um, when we were building the site that pretty much um, in Melvick, the, the wind is a hurricane for nine months of the year. Um, so I've, I've seen up there that we've come, you know, we've, we've come up in the summer and the places been different there's caravans that have been there for years and years uh, and some years they're not there anymore and the wind has taken them and moved them somewhere else um so the pods are much better they're for a start they're, they're heavier and smaller than caravans so they they're less of a sail um but, but also you know they're um they have a, a better shape for uh for dealing with the wind and they, they haven't moved they haven't budged an inch you know the, the, the guy that has the static caravan park up there has them all chained down to several tons of concrete. Um, we don't have that, and they you know, touch wood, they haven't budged an inch in all the high winds. So you've been a glamping site owner for a few years now. What would you say is the best thing about owning a glamping site? Um, really good question, and it's something that um, took me by surprise. I was expecting it to be, I can enjoy my own glamping site and have my own pods now, and um, it's making making some money for me, but but it wasn't. The thing, the thing I really, really liked about it is um, it, it dawned on me actually the first time I stayed at the pods properly was that there were other families there enjoying Akmelvik and enjoying their time in the pods. And they wouldn't have been able to have those holidays and create those family memories if we hadn't built our site. Um, so yeah, something I hadn't considered, it wasn't a motivation for us building the site, but it's something that I was really pleased to see and um, something I'm really proud of now. Mm -hmm. And then the obvious question after that is what's the worst thing about being a glamping site owner? Honestly, that's quite a hard one because nothing's been really bad. Um, there, there's some complaints now and then that are pretty hard to avoid and you, you can never tell what somebody will um, complain about. Luckily, we've not had much of that. The, the reviews we've had have been, you know, vastly, vastly the, the good ones outweigh the, the, the negative ones. And, um, but yeah, you know, dealing with, with tricky customers is never fun, but that's just part of the job. So that, that's probably on a day-to-day, -day, the, the worst thing you can expect. There's, there's really, really nothing that's, that's dreadful. Must be annoying. Well, I hope there aren't any planners listening, but in the setup process, it must be frustrating sometimes dealing with certain planners who maybe are opposed to the project from the outset as well, I imagine. Yeah, that, that, that's something we found with Glampitect is that um, you'd like to think that a planning council is one consistent body, but you are dealing with individuals and, and their personalities. So at times it feels like, and um, I, you know, there was nothing, no way to prove this, this is just what, we, what we've felt that, um, Sometimes you get a good planner and projects go through the planning approval process quite well. And even within the same council, you might have a different planner for a different project. And there are hurdles that um, come from what feels like nowhere. So yeah, it's a little bit luck of the draw. Um, that's, that's maybe being a little bit unfair to planners. I'd like to think they're a little bit more consistent than that, but uh, it does feel like sometimes projects stumble where we don't foresee them there being a real issue so i know you've stepped back slightly from the planning side now that at glampatech we've got you know a dedicated team of planning experts but you have got experience in that field as well so is, is there anything 
in particular do you'd, you'd recommend for prospective site owners when it comes to um, getting through the planning process? I think I think there's um, a willingness to compromise is something you have to have. Um, I think everybody would like to build whatever they want to build to, to some extent, but um, part of the, the approval process should be, in our opinion, working with the planning department to, to build something that is suitable for everybody. Um, and that might mean that you have um, only approval for installing half the amount of pods that you want to, or it might mean that you don't get to do your, your hot tubs or your sauna, or, you know, there, there, there's a dozen and one other things they might, uh, they might, might, might take um, issue with and Im impose some conditions. So it's being, being willing to change um, and, and work with councils is probably the, the, the best bit of advice I would give. And being prepared to be knocked back as well, I imagine, because it must be difficult if you've got a big dream of what exactly what you want to do and then being told, oh, no, maybe that can't happen. Yeah, that's it. And unfortunately, that is a risk with, with all forms of development like this is sometimes you can spend some money doing doing planning and um, you know investing in your in your idea, your, your dream. Uh, and sometimes it's just not going to come off. The, 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 there are things, policies out there that will just put a dead stop to, to an idea like this. And... Yep, it's, it's, it's one of the risks you take with this. Um, so it helps to have done your homework first and be kind of comfortable with those risks. So moving on to Glam Protect, again, Callum gave his perspective on episode one of how that came to be. So from your side, how did Glam Protect come to be for you? So yeah, Glam Protect started, uh, Callum, Callum very cleverly put the, the, the kind of bones of it together after realising that... Uh, we'd learned a lot from setting up the first site and um, all of the things that we didn't know at the start that we'd had to kind of fumble through and figure out for ourselves, that that was valuable. And, um, you know, if, if somebody had come along at the start of our project and said, hey, we can help with this, in fact, we can do it for you, um, we'd have, at the very least, seriously considered it and probably would have taken them up on the offer. So we, we wanted to help people and we, we both realized, recognized that this could be a great opportunity to work for ourselves. So um, Callum was in a um, engineering job at the time, which um, I think he'd you know, gone through university and become an engineer. Um, and it wasn't, wasn't probably what he thought it was going to be. And I was working in the oil industry and was, I suppose, to some extent kind of in a bit of a rut and this felt like a good opportunity for us both to do something new and exciting working for ourselves and um, certainly my my thought of it was this would be a nice little job that would give us an income a personal income while we were able to set up more glamping pod sites for north coast 500 pods um, and that's how we started so um, it, it, it very quickly became more than that and we've since hired lots of people have quite a large team now and um, I would say it's day to day this is taking primacy over North Coast 500 pods um, although we are still looking at doing more sites and, and we will do more um, but yeah this has become a much much more kind of I don't know what the word is a, a much bigger company than I saw it being certainly after a year of kind of you know, working, working away in anger. So what's your, what's your role in Glamtech day to day? 
Um, my my role has changed a lot from from day one. Um, when we we first started and first had our, you know our first few clients, the the plan was that Callum would do feasibility uh, studies and kind of do the the, the sales side of it. Uh, and I would do the design side, so drawings, design, designing the, the kind of layout of the sites and preparing the, the planning submissions. That lasted, I think, for two or three months. And then we had an awful lot of work that we had to start hiring people. So my, my role and Callum's role kind of changed to, to more of a management role, I suppose, you know, orchestrating the, the teams to, um, you know, Callum and a sales team, myself and a design team. And, um, you know, it, it's just grown and grown and grown to the point where we're, we're bringing in more people and we're bringing in more managers now so that we can step away and focus on other parts of our businesses. So for, for Glampitect, I want to be looking at bigger projects um, that we can be directly involved with um, moving into a kind of operations phase of, of projects like that. Um, and also progressing North Coast 500 pods. And for Callum, it's more kind of looking at how to expand Glamatect into the, the international arena. So at the moment, I suppose a bit of a transition, um, still have a hand in the day-to-day -day for, for Glamatect. Um, so a lot of lot of QCing, a lot of helping um, the, the, the newer guys we have, you know, passing on some of my knowledge to them so that so that they can they can take it on. Um, so yeah, a bit of a transition. Um, I suppose I'm a bit of a jack of all trades. <laughs> I've done a bit of everything within Glamfitect. Um, But yeah, definitely trying to focus on bigger projects from now on. Mm -hmm. And you must get a slightly different perspective working at Glamfitect than you did at NC500 Pod. So, you know, when you're setting up NC500, it, it, it's, your, it's your baby, isn't it? Whereas now it's your client's baby. So is there anything in particular that you've learned whilst working at Glamfitect from that different perspective that could also could be applied to um, people who want to set up their own glamping sites? Yeah, so I suppose what I'd say on that is we've come across lots of different um, motivations for people wanting to set up their, their glamping site. Um, you know, I know in a previous episode you've spoken to, to Morag at, uh, at Breview and um, you know she's very keen on having an adults only site with um, a kind of wellness retreat um, vibe to the place and you know that's that's their unique selling point and we've tried to do that at North Coast 500 pods by you know, incorporating some some um, interesting technology into the pods that can you know people can come and change the lights by asking Alexa to do it and I think that's the, the the thing to think about for people setting up their sites it's not only oh i want pods or i want shepherd's huts here it's think about how the site itself will will function and how you'll be able to market it and what will what will distinguish you from from all of your competitors because at the end of the day you will have competitors these you know glamping sites are, are quite common now and um you know you, you need you need to be making sure that you're you're not just front of the mill and I also imagine, you know, you learn a lot from just speaking to, say we've got a you know, dedicated team of designers and architects and stuff. It, and, you know, you learn a lot just speaking to them about how the whole process works. Because obviously, you know, you've, you've had experience setting up your own site, but with a number of projects that we've, we've got going at the minute with Glamtex, you know, you just learn a lot more about the whole process and how councils operate and what, how they differ, you know, from councils to council and how, how difficult it can be, I imagine. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the guys that we hired, the, the design guys we've hired in the last the last nine or ten months, have all brought in new experience, new new ways of thinking. They've, they've improved our offering massively, and you know they, they've realised things that we didn't, Calum and I, to begin with. So um, we, we've, as a company, our knowledge base has improved, our experience has improved, and I think we're, we're far more capable of designing glamping sites than we were when we started, um, to the point where I think um, we're, we're really good at it. Before we sign off, if there's one tip in particular that you could give to prospective glamping site owners, what would it be? Um, it's, it's really not sexy, but uh, laundry and cleaning. Um, it, it caught us out quite quite a bit, um, and you know that, that's what I'm saying. You have to really think about how your how your site's going to operate. Um, we we had a three night minimum stay policy. In fact, we still do, and um, so that means you're you're changing the beds and the towels you know, at least two times a week. So for four pods, that's quite a lot of laundry to be doing if you want to try and tackle it yourself. So we we didn't. We outsourced it to. Um, professional cleaning services and even they struggle to, um, to handle the, handle the, the volumes um, maybe not struggling with the volume so much but definitely underestimated how much time and effort it was going to take and it ended up you know they the, the, the costing of it was always an argument how much we, we were prepared to spend how much they felt they needed for it uh, so it's it's been a bigger headache than I ever thought it would be. Um, and it's one that you really have to have a, a good idea, a good plan for how you're going to tackle. And that requires good staff on the ground as well, I imagine. I know it took you a few goes to find the right person to handle that side of things. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, having having somebody there that is, you know, prepared to go a little bit above and beyond. And, um, you know, it's not... It's not a nine to five job a lot of times, you know, guests can arrive later at night and if they have trouble with accessing their pods, it's great to have somebody nearby that can help. Um, we, we are based in Edinburgh and our pods are five hour drive away. So if somebody calls Callum or I at eight o'clock at night and says, I can't get into my pod, what can we do about it? <laughs> really nothing. And so having somebody close by that you can trust is really important as well if you're not going to be there. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Glamour Tech Podcast. I hope you enjoyed and that you found value in today's episode. If you did, feel free to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts as it really helps us move up the podcast rankings. Thank you.